Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You are listening to the Hiking Radio Network, where we talk the walk with shows by hikers about hikers for everybody. Welcome to the Trail Dames Podcast, where we speak with women who love to dance upon this earth. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Trail Dames Podcast. I am super excited about our guest today. Her name is Dr. Dion Brancaglione. She has that fabulous Italian last name, but mostly she goes by Dr. Dion. Dr. Dion is a psychologist who uses part of her practice to do walk and talk life coaching and walk and talk therapy. And we are going to have this great conversation all about what it is about the outdoors that makes us feel more open and more safe and able to kind of dig into some of our inner stuff. I'm really looking forward to talking to her. I know you're going to love her. After the show, don't forget, hang out for a few minutes, and I'm going to share a few of my Appalachian Trail journal entries with you so you can take your own hike on the AT. We are so glad you're here today. My name is Anna. All my friends call me Mudbutt, and you are listening to the Trail Dames podcast. Hey, Dr. Dion, I am so glad that you're here today. Thank you so much for talking to us on the Trail Dames podcast. Hi, Anna, or should I call you Mudbutt? You can call, um, you can call me anything you want. <laughs> okay, I'll go with Anna until I actually meet you in person. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Thank thank you again for um, having me on. This is this is exciting. Well, I'm very excited to have you on. Um, like I told all our listeners in the intro, I was so excited to hear about you. I learned about you because you're going to be a clinician at our summit this coming summer. And I loved looking at your website and reading everything that you had to say about walking and talking, because on a personal nature, I feel like the outdoors is the perfect place to kind of get in touch with ourselves and to learn about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And what the first thing I always ask everybody is, when did you come to love the outdoors? Was Did you grow up loving it or did it happen as an adult? I definitely loved the outdoors from as early as I can remember. And I grew up in Brooklyn, so 
we had ducks and rabbits in our backyard. It was uh, a neighborhood full of Italian people who were, you know, growing their food and, and eating what might come up between the cracks in the sidewalk. We had, I, I remember, I have two younger brothers. At the end of our block were four trees, you know, just like there on the, between the sidewalk and the street in their little like Brooklyn tree cages, you know, how they would have that. Well, we called those four trees the forest. And it was our big adventure to go all the way down to the other end of the block to the forest. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what we did. We must have just looked at birds and then it was time to come home or something. I love that because, you know, I totally want to make some kind of joke about a tree does actually grow in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but the, the, the thing that's kind of funny about that is I was born and raised in the South and had never visited anywhere in the New York area until I was an adult. And so I always had this mental image of a place like Brooklyn being the city. And mm. I forget that, that no, it was neighborhoods and you actually did have some green. You didn't grow up surrounded by concrete. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was lucky enough that we also had a house, a summer house that my dad built that was up in the Catskill mountains. So from the time, I, I guess, I must have been four or even maybe earlier, we would go up there. My parents liked to ski. And this was where I could just spend all day long traipsing around on the side of this mountain and playing in the stream and, you know, catching salamanders and herding the neighbor's heifers. <laughs> which We were city kids. We, we just figured that uh, if they had horns, they were bulls, and if they if they didn't, they were cows, and did not even realize that they were way smaller than a normal cow or a bull. But anyway, we had fun being uh, city slickers um, with our neighboring farmers' livestock. I, I think doing no harm. But my dad really always loved the outdoors, and so you know we would traipse around in the woods, and then. Yeah, I guess I guess most normal families you would roast marshmallows over an open fire, but we're Italian from Brooklyn, so we used to roast pepperoni. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> that sounds awesome actually. It was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm kind of jealous because I grew up in a musical family. We're all musicians. So I grew up in concert halls, which is lovely, mm. but the closest I ever got to a cow was driving down the highway, you know? Mm. And so I've often wondered what it was like to grow up getting to spend time in the outdoors like that. Yeah, I was really lucky. I, I guess I was kind of a city mouse country mouse because my summers, when I got a little older, I would spend um, up on the dairy farm helping milk cows and, and throw hay and do all that farm life and then come on back to the suburbs. We later moved to the suburbs and at this point in my life, I continue to have that city mouse, country mouse thing going on where I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. It's very much city living. But any chance I get, I hop on a plane and come on up to the Asheville area, which is how I found you guys. And, you know, I'm always sniffing around for hikes up there because it's about the most beautiful country that I've ever seen. As far as I'm concerned, Asheville is literally heaven on the face of this planet. And we have a brand new Trail Dames chapter there. And so next time you go up and visit, maybe you can go check out a hike with them and meet some of the women. Okay, cool. They'd love That's to have great. you. They would That's love to have great. you. So, so you actually, your background is in psychology, right? That's correct. 
Yes. And you became a life coach and I call, I use words like counselor and therapist all interchangeably, and that's probably not correct, but you help people find a better way of living. Is that a good way to put it? Uh, yeah, that sounds good. And and I do both. I think, you know, any of that terminology is fine. However, people understand it. You know, we talk, I help them process. I'd say the coaching is a little bit different from the therapy and the coaching. I was thinking about this. I'm so glad that you sent me the, the questions ahead of time. And, you know, asking what is it about the outdoors that makes people open up and want to self reflect. And I thought, well, when I go into the outdoors, well, first of all, I'll tell you how this all started. It started sitting in my office with, a, you know, like yet another client where they said, oh, I need to exercise more and I need to get outdoors more and I need to do this. And I'm thinking, yeah, me too, me too. And I thought, why are we sitting in an office both saying that we need to be outdoors and we need to move our bodies? So that's when I started doing the walk and talks. And all of my clients converted over to that. And I have found, and I've been doing it, I'd say for a year now. I wish I'd thought about it sooner. And I found that it works a little differently than I, I thought. I, I, at first, I was really concerned about people's privacy um, because we don't have the Appalachian Trail here. I have a nature preserve that's about 250 acres. You know, we're, we're bound to sort of pass somebody on the trail. And so that was my own issue. None of my clients have had a problem with it. I thought it would be more of a let's be in beauty. And then when an osprey, you know, flies overhead, you know, we'll just our souls will fill up and we'll hear that. Ah. <laughs> and that happens with me alone. But I tell you, when I'm out doing these sessions, we are doing working sessions and they're much more about processing. They're much more life coachy as opposed to a more therapy session where maybe we have something really sensitive or very emotional to talk about. Then I'm inclined to do that in my office because I want that safe space and I want that sense of like really being protected and you know, not kind of out there in the world. And also I want the stillness of, of just sitting and being. So it's been fascinating to see. So now at this point, I know what issue I'm working on with my clients, if we should walk or if we should stay in. That is so interesting because I used to think it was me and me alone that for some reason, when I went out into nature, and for me, it doesn't matter if it's a hiking trail or literally a cow pasture. It doesn't matter. But if I'm out in nature, there's something about it that is at the same time expansive. I want to share everything that's in my heart and soul, but also makes me feel safer because when the world is that big, it helps my problems seem smaller. Right. So, And I just thought that was me. And once I started Trail Dames and I, I started realizing that this amazing thing happened this isn't even a therapy session. This is a bunch of women hiking on a trail, mm -hmm. but women would just open up within two minutes and share really deep personal things about mm -hmm. caring for their elderly parents and about trouble with mm -hmm. their children and wh whatever they might be going through. And as I saw that happen more and more and more, I realized that being outdoors, it's a safe place for a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you let your you let your clients make that choice themselves about whether or not they want to dive into something 
uh, where, wherever they feel the most comfortable. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, and I also do remote sessions. You know, I offer that as well. Um, and sometimes, the, you know, the remote will be just a matter of practicality. Somebody's traveling or something along those lines. But, yeah, I really like letting my clients dictate where and also when. I, you know, I don't, you know, close at the end of a session and say, okay, see you next week. I always ask, what are you thinking about scheduling? Because I, you know, I like for, well, you know, one of the things that I, part of my work is to help empower people and women in particular. And that means connecting with our own intuition. And, you know, and so I don't want to be the authority. I'll be like a bit of a guide, but there are lots of decisions about how we work together that should come from you and from, you know, your intuition. And I just want to honor that. So that's a little bit about the style of it all. What do you think it is about being outside of four walls that makes people more open to either either um, life coaching or counseling therapy? I have two answers for that. Okay, one is the working answer and one is the personal answer. So the working answer, I think about some of the neuropsychology work that I've read about flow and about being in flow. And there's something about the whole left-right movement that kind of gets our brains in this nice working phase. You know, when you're in flow, you kind of, you lose track of time. You know, you, you forget if you're hungry, you know, those kinds of things. And, and you know, that's probably happened to anybody who really loves hiking. Um, you know, you just get so you know, in the one hand, we're swept up with the beauty or whatever's surrounding us. But on the other hand, there's a connection with the body that I think doesn't happen in our day-to-day sit around on our butts kinds of lives. Um, and so there's, you know, there's something about that. And I think you, you, you hit on it before, you know, when you said, how does being in the outdoors help people with with self-reflection? I think it does it in kind of a roundabout way. Ideally, being in, out in nature should take us out of our heads, right? And, and have us understanding on, I don't know, a spiritual level, if you want to call it, what little minuscule things we are in this greater web of a world and nature and, you know, that humbling feeling. And by seeing ourselves as kind of not so important, I think that our problems become not so important. And so we can get some, you know, some relief of don't sweat the small stuff, you know? We all live, we age, and we're gonna die. And here are the trees and whatever that are doing the same thing. And let's just kind of let go and be part of that instead of having these delusions of having to control or manicure, you know, all these aspects of our lives. I think that makes total sense. And the size of our problems for me, it can change so much. The exact same problem or issue that's eating at me in the morning will feel one way, in the afternoon will feel one way, and the evening will feel one way. And then, of course, sitting inside on a couch with a journal on my lap will feel one way, but walking down a trail or even, I love what you said about motion in general, because I have found I could be on a treadmill uh-huh. and it kind of opens, cracks open my brain and kind of lets me, I kind of call it floating above and I can mm-hmm. see 
my issue from other sides, other angles. It's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you said, uh, you know, one, one of your uh, questions that you wrote to me was about like how, what are tips and tricks, right, for women who want to use trail time for self-reflection. And I would say um, get out of your head and get into your body. So start to tune into your senses, you know, what is it that you see and smell and hear and, you know, really just like shifting your perception, shifting your awareness, like out of yourself. And then I think that there's the the breathing aspect and, and that whole, you know, the breathing is taking what's out there and making it what's in here and then vice versa. So it's this amazing thing that we do where we exchange with nature right? It's just, uh, I'll take in some of you and I will let out some of me and we will just continue that exchange. And when I think of that on that level, it becomes like a, like kind of a spiritual thing for me of, of just really understanding the connectedness there. Absolutely. And it's so interesting. We are actually getting ready to record a future podcast about um, hiking meditations, walking meditations. Mm. And we do we do this quarterly, we do journaling hikes in our chapter and we do meditation hikes. And you immediately made me think of that when you said tuning into your senses, because that's one of the things that we do on a meditation hike. And it's so fascinating because I used to think of meditation as sitting there with my hands on my knees and, um, you know, but yeah, instead, yeah. if you're actually moving and walking, but you're t like, I'll tune into just what I hear or just uh -huh. what I smell. Does it kind of removes me to a whole nother place? Yeah, I love that. When I was young, I was, you know, I, I've read uh, through my whole life. I've been really enamored with a lot of Native American, I guess, spirituality, um, even like some shamanism and, and stuff like that. So there's that Zen meditation where, you know, the, the I guess the ideal is to have that point of stillness and quiet in inside of you. And I'm all for let's ratchet down the chatter. So, you know, that's kind of one direction. But then I read, I remember, oh, we're going way like 30 years ago. So if I remember right, I remember reading about Hawaiian shamanism and the the ideal there was to tune into the senses, to heighten the senses, to be in the middle of the forest and to hear the cricket three miles away, you know, as opposed to shutting out the senses. And, and that was always really appealing to me, I think because... I just have always felt really very comfortable and very safe in the woods. When I was when I was a kid, maybe in fifth or sixth grade, I read My Side of the Mountain. And it's about this boy from the city who runs away from home to go live in a tree um, up in the Catskill Mountains with his trained pet falcon that hunts for him. And oh man, I wanted to be that. I wanted to do that and live in a tree. And I think part of me still does. <laughs> but that sense of feeling um, quite fearless. There, there is nothing in the woods, not not wolves or snakes or anything like that, that I'm afraid of other than uh, people. <laughs> like, um, like that would be about the only... and and. Um, and not women <laughs> either. So I feel the exact same way. And it's very interesting when people actually, I'm not going to go off on a tangent on this, but women, we have a lot of discussions online and in hikes and about safety in the woods, yeah. and safety on the trail. And I literally have to make myself have that discussion with them 
because I, I feel 1000% safe. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I know things happen, but that's just not, there's something about being outdoors. I'd much rather be sleeping under a tree two miles from the nearest road than any, I feel the most safe there. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. All right. So I actually want to ask you, and I apologize because for our listeners, yeah, we did, I sent you some questions and everything, but I want to ask you about this. And, and if it doesn't work for you, we can edit it all out. <laughs> but so you were talked about the shamanism and um, I've always found that idea of the journey fascinating. And that's why I think long distance hiking fascinates me, the journey and the growth that happens with it. But for part of it too, I wonder, like, how do you feel about the exertion part of a journey or the stretching your body physically further than you're normally used to and that helping you crack into some personal growth? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think it's really satisfying. You know, I'm, I'm very, very lucky. I just listened to a podcast that you did with a young woman who had some arthritis in her back that paralyzed her for a time. And, um, I had something uh, a few years ago that um, it didn't paralyze me, thank goodness, but I was bedridden for about five weeks. Um, and it was, you know, sort of a similar thing, nerve pain in the neck had to do with, you know, pinched nerves and blah, blah. And, you know, everybody should have some sort of a health crisis that you can fully recover from <laughs> or a near-death experience that doesn't actually kill you or you know something along those lines and again it's a perception shift right so sometimes that's the ultimate thing about what we're looking for or what i guess happens to us in nature is that kind of perception shift one of the things about being outdoors what it did for me and it still does for me all the time is it reminds me of my strength. And I have not had, I guess we're going to say, thank goodness, knock on wood. I have not had that kind of challenge like, like you're talking about where someone has to really overcome something personal. But I have put myself in places like whether it's doing, I did the 60 mile Avon walk 60 miles in three days. And, you know, I, I did a attempt on a through hike. I've put myself in several positions where I actually kind of almost purposefully was in pain. Now mm. I wasn't trying to be in pain, mm -hmm. but what I was doing was not letting the pain and discomfort stop me mm -hmm. from my goal. Mm -hmm. And this really interesting thing happened where yes, it hurt. And yes, my friends and family were saying, you know, you're kind of crazy. This doesn't make much sense, but it showed me my strength. It showed me that I'm what I'm capable of, which I think for all of us as human beings is really a positive thing. Yeah, I totally get that. And, you know, I would say that the, the quick answer is that it's really satisfying at the end of a long hike to be tired and like really hungry, not just like peckish the way we are all day long, but like really hungry. And, you know, and you, and you sleep like a baby and I can definitely appreciate having to you know, push through something. And I, I also realized that my relationship with pain changed, you know, during the course of my rehabilitation from this injury, I kind of had a lot of people helping me. It, it really helped me reach out to um, some alternative uh, practitioners and, and so forth. And 
one of one of the things that I went through was about a year of rolfing, which is like a deep tissue muscle, and 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 that is not pleasant. <laughs> and it changed my relationship with pain. And what I got to understand through that experience was that pain by itself was tolerable. Pain and fear together was what was so intolerable. And, you know, that's the part where you think you're going to lose your mind and you can't just do another second of it. And like you're screaming and wailing. But when I learned to separate pain and fear and just, you know, get the fear out of the picture, then the pain was just some sensations that I knew would ebb and flow. Um, and that, you know, there'd be some moments of relief. It just became a much more tolerable thing. So to go and do something like you're talking about, to set something up where you're so challenged that it's going to involve some physical discomfort or, you know, even pain or, you know, achy back or, or whatever the next day kind of thing is like, all right, well, I kind of feel good about that. It means that I worked hard. My muscles are really sore and that, you know, that means that they're getting stronger. I had to interpret my own pain as a process of good. I'm working on healing. You know, this is a good sign. I think our culture is so adverse to pain that the, the second we experience it, everybody's like, oh, give me a pill and, and like help me not feel this. But there's a little bit something enlivening about having that full spectrum of, of feelings, uh, including the ones that aren't happy, happy, joy, joy. Well, and I have to tell you, I think what you just said might be my favorite thing anyone ever has said on our podcast because the truth of that, that it's not the pain that we all shy away from. It's the pain plus the fear. Yeah. And, and I will tell you, when I talk about, you know, going on a hike on the Appalachian Trail, if I talk to people who aren't hikers, you can actually hear their own fear saying, mm. how could you do that? Aren't those mountains big? Aren't you afraid mm. of snakes? Whatever. And fear is the great crippler for all right. of us. And like, we honestly could do an entire show sometime on pain and fear and how it, it keeps us not only from our personal goals, but definitely from our outdoor goals. (laughs) So that, yeah, that I think, okay. So I don't know if you're planning your next book, but that should totally be your next book. I'm just (laughs) telling you. (laughs) Well, there is something to that, you know, and sometimes like people come to therapy or, um, or coaching uh, because they're stuck. Right. And, very often people get stuck by trying to, by forgetting that they need to get out of their comfort zone to grow. Um, and that's a kind of a pain, right? And it's a kind of a fear and it's a, a, a no guarantees and I'm taking a risk and, you know, folks don't want to do that. And we work hard and, and we struggle to get the things and the the whether it's possessions or uh, a nice secure job or a stable relationship or something like that and we we start to insulate ourselves and surround ourselves with all of this and we have our routines and then we have our preferences and then our preferences become kind of demands and then those demands get really rigid and then you know and our lives become really small and fixed and boy you've got to bust out of that or you're going to calcify you're going to get old and you're going to be bitchy about it 
Um, and you're going to feel threatened and overwhelmed by everything that is other, that is not you, that is not within your little circle. And again, kind of coming back to nature, you can't play that game in nature. It's you true. Know? You can't be in the presence of like the Grand Canyon or a giant waterfall or something. And um, it's not the same as, you know, sitting in that lazy boy with a remote control. You know, you have to make an effort. It's absolutely true. And can I get a big giant amen for everything you just said about, um, you know, the fear of discomfort in general, keeping us stagnant. And yeah. I don't want to get old and bitchy and calcified. That, you know, that is actually something that terrifies me on a soul level. Yeah. You know, like you just said, it circles back around to this idea of walking and talking. Now, I'll, and I will tell everybody, I'm a huge believer and and practicer of ther therapy and life coaching, whatever you want to call your particular thing, I think that everybody should do it. I think if you're not seeing a therapist or a life coach or whatever, you are in danger of that calcification. Mm. And it's for me, working with somebody is so enlightening. And then when you get to do it in the outdoors, it removes some of that fear you're talking about. It removes the discomfort of, I'm about to tell a stranger my fears, my deepest, mm. darkest secrets, you know. Although, can I just say to all of our listeners, if you've never done life coaching or therapy, all your deepest, darkest secrets, guess what? Everyone else has them too. I hate to break it to you. We all have. <laughs> that was like the great enlightenment that I learned when I started talking to people was that my stuff wasn't all that special. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you asked me about, um, I'm going to be doing that. I'm really excited to be able to do this thing with the sacred story cards. So the story behind that is, I don't know, it was maybe two years ago. I don't, I got to looking at my husband's artwork and he's a painter, Stephen Kenny, look him up, Stephen with a V, K-E-N-N-Y. And uh, he does surreal, but very realistic paintings. People have said they look like um, Rembrandt meets Dolly. Okay, so he'll have um, a human figure, very often women. He prefers painting women. He says we show so much more emotion in our faces um, that we're that much, we're just more interesting than painting men. So he'll have, you know, women in nature and in, in nature could be like they've got, you know, uh, antlers coming out of their head or something. He gets pretty surreal about it. So I'm looking at all of this and he's very interested in psychology um, and I'm interested in art. We both love like Carl Jung and all that archetypical you know, from fairy tale to true archetypes, I think are, are really fascinating. So I decided to make a, a deck of cards out of his paintings and I called them sacred story cards. And I started a women's group and we get together once a month and we play with these cards um, that have, you know, interpretations on the back. Uh, let's see, along the lines of, let's see, I have this one right here stuck on my wall just because I love her. And so she's about intuition, feminine grace and power, honoring cycles, seasons and transitions. This is a really positive card, but some of them are not so positive. You know, some of them are uh, more about the trials and tribulations. And so what I found was in getting together with um, these women who have now become dear, dear friends to me, was that we all have this unique story about our 
our journey, our life journey, and these transition moments that are in these cards. You know, everybody has had, you know, the awakening moment or the loss of innocence moment or the really struggling against yourself moment or the, you know, looking into the void and all of these kinds of things. We've got our own personal stories. And yet when we start to share them with each other, everyone is nodding their head and able to relate. So like your story is really uniquely yours, but it's also universal. And I love that in getting together with women, we seem to be able to do that on both levels with each other. And it's become the greatest gift in my life. I mean, I have a very happy marriage and that would be my number one blessing. But my number two close second is is these groups of women, which I guess is why the trail dames is appealing to me as well. I have found such richness in sharing with women like all of these stories that just resonate so personally and so almost archetypically. It is the most beautiful part of Trail Dames, I can tell you. It's mm. it's not the hiking, though we love that. It's not the mm-hmm. mountains, though, of course, I love that. But that sharing with each other and the 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 knowing that other people have such similar struggles, it just makes me feel safe. You know, yeah. it just makes me yeah. feel like I can handle anything the universe has to throw at me because, and especially the fact that these other women are brave enough to share their stories. Right. That makes me brave. Right. You know, it's right. really, it's, it's a great thing and it feeds on itself. And so then I'm brave and then it helps someone else be brave right. and we go deeper and, and it, it's just the most amazing thing. So I do want to tell our listeners, because I know they're all sitting there going, those cards sound so awesome. Um, I am going to put your website will be in the show notes and you can buy um, Dr. Dion's sacred cards, sacred story cards, and they are beautiful when you see them. They're, they're gorgeous. And also tell us really quickly, you have this book, the Happy Life Toolkit. I do. Um, So yeah, I'm getting close to retiring. I think, although I'm, I'm really waffling <laughs> with it. <laughs> the more I give myself permission to retire, the more I think, oh, but I don't want to lose that person. I really love working with them. And <laughs> so anyway, I have issues. <laughs> I haven't worked. When I work through all my issues, then I get to retire. Um, <laughs> but um, I did write a book. It's a self-help book. It's called The Happy Life Toolkit. I think the subtitle is Life Skills and Wisdom from a Down-to-Earth Psychologist. And I illustrated it with these cartoony kinds of drawings. Uh, it had occurred to me, everybody thought, oh, are you going to have Steve, my husband, the, you know, the professional, um, illustrate this? And I thought, no, I want this to be kind of the way I am, which is really not intimidating, right? I, I, I draw like someone in, in the sixth grade. Um, at best it's it's looking like a New Yorker cartoon and at worst it's it's looking like something that is on the the side of your your kids English paper that they doodled on but I wanted to just in plain English kind of put out all of the basic tenants the things that I'm repeating with clients over and over again about mindfulness about self-acceptance some life coachy things I have a chapter that's called how to get shit done um, and, you know, and just, that the, one. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, really like helpful, you know, a lot of managing your life and a lot of what people get out of therapy really is skills. It's not that your childhood 
was terrible and your mother didn't love you and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, you may have those kinds of issues and we can talk about that for a second, but then it's like, okay, now we've got to go on. Now you have a whole future to live. I'm glad you've got a little bit of insight, but that's about 10% of where to put your energy. The other 90% is let's talk about how you want to live your life and how do you get out of, you know, if you grew up with critical parents and you have that critical voice in your head that stymies you and keeps you from wanting to take risks like go hiking the Appalachian Trail, like how do you overcome that, you know, and what are the alternatives? Let's not call it anxiety and then medicate it and pathologize it. Let's just understand it a little bit more and be able to work with it in a a way that makes you feel um, really empowered and in in command of your own life. That's the whole point of it. So there's a skill set that goes with an awful lot of things that can make our lives that much manageable. And I thought if I'm going to like bow out of of, out of the game, I don't have children. I thought I want to just leave like here, look, folks, here's everything that I learned in 30 years of doing this. Take it, take it, go use it. Like, you know, just let me, let me gift it out there. So that was, that was my motivation. It was, and that and menopause insomnia. So (laughs) I wrote a lot of that book from the hours of three o'clock in the morning until five or so. And, you know, writing the chapter on sleep was especially ironic <laughs> well and can we all just say can we all just say that is a very real thing i am 52 it started hitting me about a year ago and that menopause insomnia i do not appreciate it but it is a very <laughs> real thing <laughs> so, it sure is so well i had to tell you that this interview in general this discussion has been one of those that's left me saying well we got to wrap things up but now i have a thousand more things i want to talk to you uh-huh. about like uh-huh. everything you said leads to other great conversations. And I am I am really super excited about getting to meet you this summer. So I will be at the summit and um which is very exciting for me because all the past summits I was in charge of, so I worked the entire time. This time I'm not in charge of anything. So you and I are gonna sit down and yeah. have a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and talk because I just think you're super awesome. Oh, that's great. Oh, I'm so looking forward to it. Well, me too. And I'm actually, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to buy that book. So you were discussing the art on it. I have to tell everybody, it just looks so friendly and comfortable and like I could just dive in. And I'm glad that you did your drawings in it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to encourage any of you that are interested in life coaching or therapy, remote therapy, give Dr. Deanna a call. Like I said, her website's in the show notes. And grab her before she retires because <laughs> that's going to be a real we'll loss. We'll do some nice I quick think. work together. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be a real loss. I think I'm going to call you sometime. But I'm going to be like, my goal will be to be one of those people that you're like, I want to retire, but I really enjoy working with her. So, <laughs> that will be my goal. I think so. that would be you. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much. I appreciate you being on the show and sharing yourself. And I just want to encourage everyone out there, get out there and walk, talk yeah. to somebody. Yeah. Little personal growth is a great thing. And of course, we love nature. So yep. thank you, Dr. Dion. Thank you. Oh, wow. I don't know about y'all, but I actually am sitting here thinking I want to schedule a session with her before she retires. I love the idea of the outdoors and walking 
and helping dig into some of my own personal issues and talking to her today just made me really anxious to move forward and do that. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation. And I want to remind you all that I put links in the show notes to her website. If you want to contact her for some life coaching sessions, I highly encourage you to do that. And I also put links to her book, her sacred story cards, her husband's website, because his art really is quite beautiful. And the book she mentioned, My Side of the Mountain. It turns out it's a children's classic. So I thought some of you might want to check that out also. So now sit back. I am going to share with you a couple of my AT journal entries. And for now, thank you so much for listening to the Trail Dames podcast. June 22nd. What a day. Morning found us all waking up early and making a leisurely breakfast as we got ready to go hit the trail. Our plan for the day is as follows. Bunkin and Charlie are going to go do Dragon's Tooth, while I'm going to go do the 7.6 miles that Bunkin did yesterday. Several of the hikers kind of ganged up on me last night and said that they didn't think I should do Dragon's Tooth because of my foot. I finally acquiesced, but I don't feel great about it. Bumpkin made me feel better by saying that after I do the White Mountains, I can come back and Dragon's Tooth will be a breeze. So, Go Happy and Little Bit kindly drove me to the trailhead. These are brothers that have been hiking together, and they are really super nice. They went out of their way for me, and I really appreciate it. So, my plan was to hike the trail and to come out at the exact same place where Charlie and Bumpkin are going to come out. I know they're pretty fast, so I took off. And I got to tell you, the hike was really wonderful. The sky was brilliant blue and there was no rain. The temperature was warm, but there was a cool breeze. You really just couldn't ask for more picture perfect weather. I went uphill for about three and a half miles and without a pack, I got to tell you, it wasn't so bad. At the top, there's a memorial to Audie Murphy. Audie was a highly decorated war hero that died near the spot. Tradition dictates that you take a small rock and you place it on the memorial for luck. I placed three, one for me, one for Bumpkin, and one for Charlie. I love taking part in these trail traditions. They remind me that I am really out here. As I hiked down off the ridge, I played a constant game of dodge the cicadas. I keep hearing that these things only show up every 17 years. I don't know if that's true, but this is a really big year for them. For two weeks, they hung on every surface, be it tree limb, fence post, or my hiking gear. They're nature's version of a car alarm and have been an almost constant companion for all of us hikers for the last few weeks. Some people complain about it, but to me, it's kind of like the true soundtrack of summer, and I love it. Now, however, I think they're entering their dying phase because the forest floor is littered with their colorful bodies. And the remaining ones, well, they're performing kamikaze acts of flying. There must be millions still left, though, because the air is full of their singing. One thing I can tell you. If you want to see the circle of life, it is here, all around you. My hike was beautiful, but I was trying to keep a fast pace because I didn't want Bumpkin and Charlie to wait for me. As it turns out, we all three came down our respective trails at the exact same time. I was so proud. They had a great time on Dragon's Tooth, and they both agreed that I had made a good decision by not going. The rocks were fairly intense, so I'll save it till fall. We sat at the creek, and we soaked our feet, and we talked for the next hour. It was idyllic, and the time passed quickly. The water was icy cold, and the skating bugs were crisscrossing across the surface as Charlie skipped stones, and we passed a bag of trail mix back and forth. 
yet another one of my favorite trail memories in the works. Dale showed up to shuttle us back to the hostel, and we immediately started working on him. Dale, we whined, we want to go to Ruby Tuesdays. We were craving salad in a major way. Well, poor Dale had all kinds of plans for his evening, but they were no match for the wiles of Bumpkin and Mudbutt. Being the big-hearted sweetie that he is, he piled seven hikers into his truck and hauled us to Ruby Tuesdays. Sitting in the back of a pickup truck with Charlie, Pirate, and Winnebago sailing down the back roads of Virginia, it really doesn't get much better than this. After dinner, Dale got a message that our friend Cheerio might be injured north of us somewhere on the trail. So we unanimously decided to go and try and find her and help. We drove for a while and found the nearest side trail, but day hikers informed us that the closest shelter was still about six miles up the trail. Without headlamps, we just couldn't go that far, so we resolved to come back in the morning. On the way home, Dell took us on a driving tour through the Catawba State Hospital where he nurses. This is the state mental hospital, and while it might sound a little strange to take a driving tour through one, it was really neat. The facility is really old and it sprawls over beautiful grounds. I enjoyed it. A quick stop for ice cream and we were back at the hostel. About 12 more hikers have showed up and the place is crowded with gear and makeshift stoves set up to cook hot dogs. We found out that Cheerio is okay and she's at a nearby shelter, so we all heaved a sigh of relief. We make a haphazard, kooky sort of family. We don't know each other, but we speak as if we've been friends forever. Our shared experiences create a bond that cannot be explained, but that is a certainty among most hikers. As I look around at my makeshift family, I am so happy that I am part of it, and even more that my brother is part of it. I leave you with one more thing. As we were flying through the hillside in the back of the truck, Charlie looked up and he said, The question is, is everyone exactly where they want to be at this moment? The answer was a resounding, unanimous yes. Love, Mudbud. June 23rd. We woke up early this morning. When staying in a hostel, when people start getting up, it gets pretty noisy, so we all get up. However, getting up and getting out of the door are two very different things. You have to imagine a big garage with a bunch of mattresses and cots for 10, and four others are sleeping out on the trampoline. There's gear everywhere. People are standing in line for the bathroom and others are lined up at the two burner hot plate that was provided for us to use. Being hikers, most people were eating a variation of oatmeal or grits, pretty much anything you can mix with hot water. One hiker, Sarah, she's ecstatic because someone left instant coffee in the hiker box. It doesn't take much to make us happy. One by one, we packed up and took off down the road. The trail is three-tenths of a mile from the hostel, and the convenience store is seven-tenths of a mile past that. Bumpkin and I decided to make one more run for the payphone to send our pocket mails, so Charlie waited at the trail with our packs. Lucky us, the store was still fixing fresh biscuits, so I snagged a couple of egg and cheese for me and for Charlie. This beats the peanut butter on a tortilla that I had for breakfast. By the time we hit the trail, it was 10.30 and it was getting hot. Now, mind you, this was not a complaint. I love the heat. I don't want it to rain, but it was the warmest hiking day so far. Charlie hiked with me for the day while Bumpkin took off at her own pace. The trail was perfect for Charlie's first full pack day out. It started with pine forests and switchbacks up the ridgeline and then took us through several cow pastures. 
I was proud to show off my shaky skill at climbing styles. And when a couple of them proved too difficult, Charlie took my pack for me so that I could climb them. The fields themselves are beautiful, lots of tall grass and wildflowers everywhere. Oh, and they went uphill. Did I mention that today consisted of a lot of uphill? After the cow pastures came rocky trail that climbed up to a wonderful rock escarpment. We climbed up to the top and we took in the fabulous view of all these rolling Virginia farmlands. With the cool breeze blowing, I was completely happy and I could have probably stayed there for hours. We never did catch up to Bumpkin, and the last part of the day found us scrambling across rocks as the trail climbed Catawba Mountain. Someone has done some serious trail work here. There are steps carved into the uphill section and actual bridges built into the rock when it gets a little slanted. I told Charlie that this was not the normal AT. Usually they just make us suffer through those sections. I was really impressed at the work that went into it and really grateful to the volunteers that did it. By the time we got to the shelter, we were both really weary, but happy. After consulting with Bumpkin about the mosquito population at the shelter, we all decided to tent tonight. Pirates at the shelter, though, so we went down to cook dinner. Charlie did a good job of trying to burn the picnic table down with the stove, but luckily the wood wouldn't catch. We laughed and carried on till Bumpkin left to go look at the sunset, and Charlie and I headed for our tents. As we lay here, you can hear far-off noises from town, covered with the comforting sounds of crickets and peepers. I am filled with contentment. During dinner, we asked, is everyone exactly where they want to be right now? And again, the answer was unanimous yes. This really is the life. Love, mud butt. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.